everybody's born with a certain level of IQ that you can hit, but your EQ, you can actually invest into it and you can grow your EQ, your emotional intelligence. And that's really all about being self-aware, how you're perceived by those around you. And the better you are at your self-awareness, then the better you can lead and motivate a team. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry, one that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here, you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swine It Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like NutriQuest, experts serving producers and delivering breakthrough solutions, Genesis, the first power in genetics, Merck Animal Health, driven by prevention, AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production, Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance, every pig, a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool. Just all, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Adiseo provides programs and services to help producers achieve their targets in a high quality, safe and sustainable way. Welcome to the Swine It Podcast Show. I am Laura Greiner, your host for today's episode. This episode's sponsor highlight is Adiseo, a worldwide leader in animal nutrition. Our company offers specialized technical support for nutritionists, veterinarians, and other animal production professionals. Our portfolio of programs and services include a wide array of high-performing feed solutions such as essential nutrients, palatability, feed preservation, mycotoxin management, and health and nutrition. To learn more about our company, visit us at www.adiseo.com. Hi, I'm Laura Greiner. I'm your host today for the Swine It podcast. And with me today, I have Blake Wilson from Adiseo. Blake, it's a pleasure to have you here today. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. So it's wonderful conversation we were having before we started the recording. I wasn't very familiar um, with some of your background. So would you mind starting uh, with just where you've been and how you got to where you're at today for the audience? Absolutely. So uh, I am the commercial director for Adiseo Swan Business. I've been with Adiseo going on three years now. Uh, before joining the Swan team, I, um, I was on the poultry team and uh, handled the Southeast for them. So I actually live just outside of Athens, Georgia, born and raised um, on a poultry farm out there. And then um, previous Adiseo did a, did a stint at Provimi. And before that, I was in live production working in integration. Great, great. So a lot of business experience then, would that be fair to say? Uh, you could say a fair amount. Yeah. So um, I understand that in addition to just your business experience, you're pursuing now a master's degree in, in business. So would you mind sharing a little bit about why you chose to go down that route? Absolutely. So uh, it's something that I've always um, considered ever since I even finished up my undergrad. And um, when I finished my undergrad, I had a... Uh, open position working at a processing plant in uh, South Carolina. And so I went straight out of school working on uh, the poultry side, working at a processing plant and then been in the industry in that aspect, especially on the production side for over 10 years after I graduated school. Once I finished um, production and got into the sell side, 
I realized I was missing a, a key component that would uh, help me to really deliver what I, I would say is a, a quality job for um, not just for Adiseo, but for myself. And uh, that knowledge, that education is um, something that I, I desired. Like I said, I always had thought about doing it. And uh, the time came. It's amazing that uh, I started in 2019, right before the pandemic. And actually, during the pandemic was a, a great time to uh, be in school because I wasn't traveling quite as much and was able to focus on my studies. Um, it worked out really well. I, I didn't say earlier, I have uh, three kids. I have a 16-year-old and then a two and a three-year-old. And so uh, being at home with the two and the three-year-old and going to school and working, um, my wife at the time, she uh, she was working. So we uh, we were all juggling, but it worked out really well by not having to travel as much, even though um, we we're still working, still being on uh, video calls and stuff, being able to be home and not have to go through my master's while trying to travel was a, a blessing that I didn't even know was gonna happen. Yeah, that's so true. I think we all learned how to to juggle our careers and our, our children in the household at the same time. But um, that's wonderful that you're able to take advantage of that and do that education. When you're talking about an MBA, uh, I understand there's a couple of different types of MBAs. Could you maybe help our audience understand the MBA program that you're doing versus some of the other options that are out there? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when I was looking at, at going back and doing my uh, MBA, I looked at all the different ones. Um, so the one that I most considered um, before selling on the program I'm in was a, a web MBA because I am working, I do have a family and it's something I could do at my own pace. Um, the web MBA is a, is a quality degree, quality education, uh, but I don't do as well virtually. And so I really wanted that in person. And then you start looking at a traditional MBA, well, that requires you to be on campus during the week. Um, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm married, I have a family and I'm working full time. So that didn't really work out for me. And then uh, found the executive MBA program. And so um, I'm currently in the executive MBA program, at Kennesaw State, graduate this May. So I'm finishing up my final um, classwork right now. And um, that executive MBA program for me, it's weekend based. So um, I go Saturday and Sunday to class. Usually it's every three weeks um, since the pandemic, it went to once a month for uh, safety reasons, which then uh, allowed me to do my, my current job during the week. And then also gave me the flexibility to uh, also be there as a husband and a, a father for my kids and only taking up a little bit of time on the weekends. Now, uh, doing the actual classwork and homework, uh, you have to be creative on finding the time to do that. But the executive MBA program was by far the, the best option for myself. Yeah, I have a few friends that have also pursued that type of program where they do it on the weekends. And that seems very good for our individuals, like you said, that already have a job and potentially a family as well that they're trying to balance. When we think about our um, students today that are finishing programs in their college careers, what recommendations do you have for them as far as what does an MBA give them? You know, they, I think that's one of the big questions they ask is, should I stay and do it? Or should I go work for a while and then do what you're doing today? Yeah, so um, I would say a lot of it depends on what your undergraduate degree is in first. Um, if it is uh, animal science or like for myself, I have a history degree as my undergrad. 
And so there's no business background there. And you, you learn a lot during your working career, but you don't get all the fundamentals. You don't get the economics, the accounting, the finance exposure. So if you have a, um, a science degree or, or a, a liberal arts degree that doesn't have any business background, I would say it's probably very valuable for you to go ahead and go through an MBA program before you get into the work field. Because once you get in that workforce, it's so hard to go back to school. I mean, I was 15 plus years out of my undergrad before I found the opportunity to, to go back to school. And then it's even tougher because you are usually married, you're working, you have a family and trying to juggle that plus school is, um, is not the, the easiest route to go. Um, but then again, if you have a, a business degree of some sort, whether it's a, um, a ag economics or a, a general business degree, it may actually benefit you to, um, to go ahead and go in the workforce for a few years, get some experience before you get your MBA, uh, because then there's different types of MBAs. We, we touched on them with the web MBA versus a traditional versus an executive. Um, my executive MBA is basically broken down in, into two categories. We have the business portion, which is considered one, one class load, and that's your accounting, your finance, your economics. Then we have the leadership, and the leadership discusses human capital, teamwork, team building, uh, coaching, mentoring. There's actually a, uh, a full portion of our program, which is probably the most valuable, personally for me, that is um, just as soon as we start, we're assigned a uh, executive coach, which really helps you uh, map out your career, your personal goals, and really helps you to analyze and think about what you want to do with your career. And I can tell you several people in my cohort realize they're not even in the career they want to be in, right? So as you sit down with this coach and you start mapping out your career plan, you realize, yeah, you may be good at this one area, but that's not your passion. That's not your goal. And that's not where you ultimately want to be or, or be a part of. And so that is truly a, um, a phenomenal part of my course, my coursework. And then that actually moves into a mentoring and then the mentoring has a whole different dynamic where coaches pushing you and challenging you and uh, making you actually self-analyze yourself. A mentor, somebody then you can look up to and somebody that you can actually start asking questions and really getting their feedback and, and their um, experience. And, hey, I'm, I'm experiencing this. I'm, I'm seeing this in my work. How would you handle it? And then you, you build that relationship between the coach and your mentor you start developing a network and your network is what is uh, the second most valuable part of a program like I'm in. So um, my cohorts, there's uh, 40 plus 42 of us in there and we all know each other very well. We all have diverse backgrounds, but yet if I need something from a accounting standpoint, I know somebody to call. If I need a graphic designer, I know somebody to call. Uh, it's it's very, very valuable, the human interaction that you get. Now, um, for somebody who uh, has the background with the people, with the teaming, a web MBA may be, may be just fine for you, just to give you that business background. You know, if your background is HR, you may not need this executive MBA program. You may just need to touch on the, the business aspects the accounting, the finance, 
uh, the economics. So um, it really just depends on what you're looking for on what you need. Sure, sure. When you think about some of the classwork that you've taken so far, uh, what would be some key pieces that you've been able to apply into your current business, into your current role? Sure. Uh, so I'll, I'll take it twofold since my program is uh, really 50% leadership, 50% business. So on the business side, from a budgeting standpoint, and then from a marketing standpoint, are extremely valuable. Running a commercial team and trying to brand ourselves. So historically, Adiseo, the company that I work for, is not very strong on the swan side. We have a very strong presence in poultry, very strong presence in dairy. We're a global company. We have operations on every continent that has livestock. So we, um, we're very well known, but not here in the U.S., not on the swan side. And so what we're trying to do is build our presence up. And a lot of the, uh, the coursework around marketing and then that return on your investment, right? So that budgeting aspect, where are you going to spend your dollars to get that return? And so that has been very valuable. Now, the other side of it is the human capital. So I personally have a team of six that I manage. They all have different personalities. They live in different parts of the U.S., which in some cases are different parts of the world. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's very, very funny how, you know, just in the U.S., you know, somebody from the southeast like I am, how different that can be from somebody in the Midwest or Texas or, you know, Wisconsin. It's, uh, it, it's real unique, but at the same time, it brings um, a part of my coursework, which is handling people and teaming. One of the unique things about our um, our courses, we're paired up with a team of people. So there's seven, uh, six other team members, seven total that I've worked with from day one. And we do projects together, big, small. We have to uh, assign project leaders. We have to assign, you know, who's going to do the presentation, who's going to do the deliverables, map it out, create project plans, and then hold each other accountable. And it's very similar to what I do uh, for work. And I've actually been able to um, gain a lot of, uh, call it best practices, from the coursework just around human capital and teaming from my program. And I think soft skill management is something that we all have to continue to do throughout our careers. Absolutely. You know? and, and you mentioned personality styles and, and where I was um, in Carthage, we did that a lot. We did this training. And so we focused a lot on identifying how it was best to communicate with this team player might be different than this team member. And, Absolutely. You know, and the cultural differences aside, just the communication strategies were different. So I think those soft skills, that's a wonderful thing that they're adding to your program. That's great. Uh, Self-assessments are um, one of the key parts of our, our program. So we did do DISC. Um, we also did a, a assessment called Team Booster, which analyzes how we work as a team. We did um, SBI feedback. And that is literally teaches you how to, as a leader and as a, a person how to give feedback in a work environment, which is very critical, right? Because um, depending on the person's personality, you want to give good, valuable feedback. Sometimes it's, hey, you, you offended me, 
but I want to let you know you offended me because if I don't, you're going to keep doing it. Right. But I want to give it in a way that doesn't make you defensive. Right. I got to let you know that I was offended and please don't do that again, but in a way that allows you to know I'm not upset with you. Just let's work on this. Or what's your, your conflict style? Right. Are you a confrontational? Are you avoiding? There's so many different dynamics, um, not just personality types. Right. Disc is the big one. And uh, we can all sit around and, and talk about our disc personalities and how well they they peg us, uh, which is always fun. And uh, there, there's others. Insights is another good one that really uh, looks at your, your personalities. So those self-assessments are absolutely very valuable and uh, something that I would highly recommend anybody do that's in a, a leadership position or looking to grow their career. Do you ever do those with your team members now in your current job? We do. Uh, we actually, Insights is something that our, our company promotes. And so uh, we just went through Insights training, which is very similar to DISC, um, but I would say a little bit more in-depth. Uh, and it's it pegs you. I mean, you only answer, I think it's uh, less than 50 questions, but the way they um, they peg you in your personality is very insightful. Yes. Yes. I, I can remember sitting with my team and reading my traits and they were all laughing and pointing at me They're like, oh my gosh, that's, that's exactly you. Um, and there were things that I didn't realize I was doing that was upsetting my teammates. And so once you're aware of it too, it's, it's being aware that you're doing it and, you know, finding new ways to manage a team or to work with team teammates and in group settings. Yeah, actually, um, one of the uh, the cool things that we studied in class that I, I never really thought about, and it's um, now that I've studied it, I hear it all the time, but that's your emotional intelligence, your EQ. Everybody's born with a certain level of IQ that you can hit, but your EQ, you can actually invest into it and you can grow your EQ, your emotional intelligence. And that's really all about being self-aware, mm -hmm. how you're perceived by those around you. And the better you are at your self-awareness, then the better you can lead and motivate a team. I think that's great. That's a very, very good comment. And one that I think our readers should really think about if they're looking at self-improvement and, you know, how to grow their business or if they're having challenges within their team to think about those processes. Absolutely. So one of the other things, as you said, is your current role is, is of course, business is thinking about financial documents and and the information that we get. So obviously being involved in the swine industry, we're not just raising pigs, but we're trying to have a business to support our families and our farms. So, you know, how do we start to take all of that financial information that we get and really apply it into our everyday activities? That's a, uh, a very good question. Um, growing up, I, I grew up on a, a broiler farm. So my dad had four chicken houses and we, um, we worked on them every weekend, every time we had a school break. Um, and I had no idea the financial hardship he was under just to have those chicken houses. And um, one of the reasons I would say I personally never understood what he went through just to, to keep the farm afloat and, and make money, put food on the table is because he didn't. Invest, and, and I mean invest, into a good accountant, 
right? So when you're running a small business, your best friend should be your accountant. A person that you can trust with all your financial information so that then they can put it into those financial documents and help you understand what type of business you're actually running. So when we talk about financial statements, we're talking about a balance statement, an income statement, and a cash flow. So growing up, all I ever heard about was cash is king. If you're turning money, you're making money. It was a, a very popular term that my dad used and a lot of other local farmers used. Uh, it has a lot to do with also the way the contract um, poultry industry is formed. But if you're uh, turning money, you're making money. But that's not necessarily the truth, right? Uh, on your balance sheet, you see all your assets. You see your liabilities. You see your equities. You see it, what your, your money, your time, your effort is put into and what kind of value you have out of it. Uh, your income statement is basically your uh, profit and loss statement. What you got coming in, are you spending more? Or are you actually making money? Uh, what is critical, especially for small businesses, is your cash flow. You can outgrow your cash flow. There is no doubt about it. Uh, anybody that's looking to get into farming, I would absolutely tell them to make sure that they have a side hustle that's bringing in cash. Right. Um, I don't care if it's uh, pigs, dairy, swan. You want to make sure you have a steady cash flow when you're starting up. Uh, otherwise, you're going to get in the cash flow problem. Yeah. At the end of the year, you might have had a, a net positive income, but you had a negative cash flow. And uh, so when I, I had no concept of those terminologies and that idea before I got into this program and learning that one of the first conversations I have with my own dad who still has his farm is what kind of conversations are you having with your accountant? Are you making sure that your farm is being managed financially the way that it should so that when he's ready to retire, he can either hire somebody to manage his farm or he knows what kind of assets he's sitting on to sell it um, and not just waiting for a real estate agent or somebody to come in and try to uh, buy it out from under. Yeah, I think certainly having those exit strategies or as you're rolling over um, a family farm to maybe a younger generation, having those conversations are critical and not at the end, right? You should be doing it years ahead for tax purposes and- Absolutely. And uh, then you can start getting into, you know, your capital gains taxes and uh, what's better, a will or a living trust a good accountant can give you that guidance. Um, any person that is running a production operation should not be trying to do their own finances. You're too focused on taking care of the animals, taking care of the land, taking care of your facilities. The last thing that you have time to do is manage your own finances. That's a very good point. How often do you think you should meet with your accountant? Ooh, that's a very good <laughs> question. No less than quarterly. But I would say monthly, you should have a uh, at least a call with them to see what your monthly profit and loss is and see where you stand on a cash flow basis, right? What bills do you have coming up? No different than you and I who sit down at the beginning of the month and say, these are my bills and this is the cash I've got coming in. Uh, every business should be ran that same way. You're going to have certain bills, whether it's a, a mortgage or a loan payment, that's going to be the same every month regardless. And then you're going to have your variable bills. Think of uh, when we had the, the storm that came through a couple of weeks ago and everybody's running their heaters 24 seven. 
Uh, were you prepared for that, right? Or did you have to go get a loan from the bank to cover those extra expenses? And so if you have a good accountant and you're meeting with them regularly and you're looking at your cash flow and your income and your expenses, then you should be able to plan ahead accordingly to help cover some of those risks. And it's all about risk management. Yeah, that's very, very good. So when we think about risk management, what would be some key, key criteria that you should be looking at? So you talked about cash flow, but when you really get down to risk management, what should be some key things to be thinking about? Ooh, uh, if we're talking about a, a production facility, when we talk about risk management, um, if you don't have your own feed mill, have a great relationship with a feed mill and with a feed mill that has quality ingredients, right? So if you have quality ingredients, then you're less likely to have disease because of them. Um, and if they are a, carry quality ingredients and they have um, steady supply, right? You're less likely to run out. So that's, that's risk management number one. Risk management number two, uh, not only should you have a good relationship with your accountant, you should have a good relationship with your banker, <laughs> right? So if you do get in a pinch, you can get access to liquidity, to, uh, to cash fast. And so you want to make sure, just like I told you at the beginning, one of the great things about my program is the networking. You should be doing that within your community as well. Uh, you should have your banker, your accountant, you should have your feed mill, your nutritionist. I'm in, on the nutrition side. So the relationship a producer has with a nutritionist is very essential. The relationship you have with your veterinary is essential. And taking all of their opinions into account before you make a decision is a way to mitigate a lot of your risk, right? Don't just go with one person's opinion all the time, whether it's your nutritionist or your veterinarian or the feed bill or, or the bank, because the bank may not lead you down the right direction either, um, or your accountant, you know, your accountant doesn't know anything about raising, uh, raising pigs. They only know about numbers. So you have to take all the information you, you gather and use it and make a wise decision. You don't always have a black and white decision, but at least you mitigate as much of the risk as possible when making that decision. Yeah, I think the other thing I think about too is I always think about your historical information. So what's what's the market trends and how do we offset from highs and lows and some of the risks that we sure. see? And some of it's predictable and obviously some of it's not, but you know, how do you manage through some of those financial risks just of the ebbs and flows of market? I think those are, you know, it's a very interesting question to pose. Do you have any ideas or suggestions to our viewers for that? Historical data is historical data for a reason. Um, it shows you a past that is oftentimes uh, comes to comes back around, right? Um, we have cycles in our economy. We have cycles in our, our crop production. We have cycles in our weather patterns. And if you can take all that information and use it to make a solid decision, once again, you've mitigated so much risk. Oftentimes, and, and I find this in, in myself and with, uh, with my dad, when I sit down and talk actual business with him, if you don't take that data and actually analyze it, some of the decisions you feel like you're making off of past experience doesn't line up with the data. And, and the data can all, it is key, right? Um, I've taken feed sample after feed sample after feed sample, 
and you feel like you've got a good feel of what may be in that until you actually analyze it. And then you analyze it and then you analyze it and then you analyze it and then you realize over a stretch, you know, this female that I've been working with that looks beautiful on the outside, their mixer CDs are terrible. Sure. <laughs> you know? Oh, and so it, it's all about taking that data and using that data wisely and making sure that uh, you're, you're taking advantage of the information that you have. I think that's extremely fair. And we talk about that a lot in the swine industry, not just financial data, but production data and how we may not be using it to help guide us in the, the direction that our business should go. But I think at times people almost feel overwhelmed by the amount of data that could be coming at them, right? So sure. we do have the money coming in, but we also have all this information from our sow herds or our grow finish barns. And, and so how do you start to manage all of that data where, I mean, it's important, but you know, how do you start to separate it out and focus in on the key pieces? You know, um, growing up in the, the poultry industry, we always talked about feed, water, air. You get those three right, then you've, uh, you've done basically all you can to make sure the animal's taken care of. And ultimately, it doesn't matter which industry we're looking at, it's all about the animal. And we want to give them the optimal opportunity to grow the best they can to their genetic potential, right? And so you have all this history, all this data coming at you. Well, rely on the people who know how to read it. So rely on your nutritionist, rely on your vet. For yourself, when you're talking about taking care of that animal, whether it's for your sow herd or your grow finish, then manage the stuff that you know, right? Coming from a production background myself, I know feed, I know water, I know air. I know how to manage an environment where an animal can thrive. I know how to make sure to have clean water, right? I know how to make sure to have my CO2 going out and oxygen coming in, right? Handling that negative pressure atmosphere. So do what you, you know and do it well, and then rely on the people that you have around you based off the network that you built to make solid decisions. Very good. I'm gonna ch change gears just a little okay. bit here. Um, I think that's all great and wonderful. So financial records and, and how we use them is awesome. One of the things that you're also doing in your role is marketing and sales, Yes. right? So when we start talking about, you know, some of the information that you've learned through your program in terms of marketing and sales, how do we start to, to do just move from the basics and, and grow outside of just general, well, I'm going to announce that I have a product type of situation <laughs> to, to really getting your information out there. So could you maybe help us understand a, a good way to, to promote our product? Because it's not, right. It's not just a feed company selling food. It's our hog companies selling product to the consumers. And so absolutely, you know, we need to be aware of how to do a better job with our marketing and sales. Uh, you're exactly right. So, um, one of the things you got to keep in mind is if you don't tell your story, somebody else will. And so from a marketing standpoint, you have to find your story. Are you a family farm? Are you taking care of animals and you're producing and feeding the world? Right. That's a story. And you got to get that story out there, whether it's uh, and there's so many avenues right now. You have your Twitters, your Instagrams, your LinkedIn's. There are 
multiple avenues to, to get your story out that don't cost you a lot of money, right? It may, FTE, a full-time employee that's handling your, your marketing, but it doesn't have to take a PhD to do that. You can, um, you can hire somebody that is uh, reliable to tell your story. You just have to make sure your story is consistent and it gets it out there to the public, to the people that you want it to get out there. Uh, if you're a feed mill in Iowa, your consumer are the producers around you, right? So what is the avenue to get in front of them? Now, a lot of that is face-to-face -face sales. That is going out there to the producers, being involved in their local communities, their local FFAs, their FHA or 4Hs, um, being in front of those people and showing that you care is the branding that you need. It's not about taking people to dinners. It's not about um, putting signage everywhere, which is, is great. Those, there's opportunities for that, but it's really showing people you care and that then you start to differentiate yourselves, right? What makes you better than the female down the road? What makes you better as a producer than the producer down the road? And so you really have to identify, um, once again, self-awareness. You have to identify what you're good at. You have to find what you can benefit on by promoting. When, uh, when I look at, uh, on the, the poultry side, a couple of companies here in North Georgia that really hit it big before ABF movement, they went ahead and made that decision, right? They made that decision to go ABF right away before anybody else did. And they promoted a, uh, a healthier animal and not just a healthier animal, but an animal that's healthier for you. Now that's marketing. That's a story that they told and it has paid off very well for them. So I would tell the listeners to this podcast, find your story. That was one of the key things about uh, any of the marketing classes I took. Yeah, you can talk about the sales funnel, the marketing funnel. You want to build up your, your brand and you bring all these people into your funnel. And you work it down to the final sale. It, it's changed, right? The traditional sales funnel has changed and it's more of a cycle, right? So just as soon as you build that relationship, well, now you're building on it and retaining your customers is key to any successful business. How do you retain those customers? By letting them know you care, by promoting what they promote. If the Packers are looking to promote a certain lifestyle or a certain type of product, then your promotion on your farm should line up with theirs. Then you have a consistent story top to bottom. That's very interesting. And, and when I think about marketing, you know, we, we sit around and we have these, these conversations about what story we want to tell, what, what group do we want to be involved with? And sometimes when you're in those meetings, there's so many ideas and yet we struggle to make a decision, which yes. avenue, right? Which avenue are we going to pick to, to go down? And so we almost become paralyzed, right? Because we can't, make the decision because we're worried about making the wrong decision. And as our industry almost gets a little bit smaller, right? We get more and more sure. competitive as the margins are, are what they are. How do we help groups and, and whether that's the producer or, you know, the student or, you know, a company, what advice can you give them for figuring out how to make the right decision? 
Ooh, that's a, a very tough question, right? What is the right decision? Um, you got to figure out what your business model is, right? What is, um, what's your ultimate goal? If you can identify what your ultimate goal is, are you the low cost, high volume producer? Then your decision's easy, right? You're turning and you're burning. If you are the high value, high quality product producer, you are then gonna focus your attention on high quality feeds, high quality employees. Your, your margin on your product is gonna be bigger, but your volume is gonna be much smaller. And so then it's all about analyzing your return on your investment, your what it costs for input versus what you're gonna get on your output. Once you identify what you want, then the decisions become much smaller and easier to, to focus on. You can't be good at everything. You can't. So you got to find that one thing you can hang your hat on to focus on so that you can live and die on that. Uh, but you also have to be flexible with the markets. And uh, it, COVID has taught us all to be flexible, right? Um, it has taught producers to lock in shackle space, right? Don't live and die by the cash basis. I, uh, I mean, I'm all for going to the casino and, and putting $100 down on black and on red, right? Because either way I win. <laughs> um, so you, you got to figure out what your business model is. But once again, it, it's all about your network. It really is. Expand your network, expand your relationships, and then you can really find your niche and then be good at it. Very good. I think that's great advice to our audience. Uh, Blake, as we're wrapping up our time together, are there any final points that you'd like to share with the group? Uh, just uh, thank you for this opportunity. It's, uh, it's a great time to sit down and, and talk about something I've been doing for the last couple of years. Um, it's uh, it's an opportunity to introduce myself to a lot of um, your listeners that I've never met. So I'm looking forward to meeting everybody in person. Uh, I would say probably the first opportunity would be World Pork, which uh, fingers crossed uh, it does uh, go on this year. Where uh, we're looking very much so to uh, to getting out there in June, and then uh, I, I do have to do a, a little plug for Adiseo. So uh, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me or to uh, any of my team members at Adiseo. We're here to help. Great, great. Well, thank you. It is time to our famous three. Used in more than 1 billion pigs worldwide, Circumvent G2 vaccines from Merck Animal Health provide the monumental protection swine herds need in the ever-evolving fight against circovirus. Circumvent PCVG2 and Circumvent PCV-MG2 are evolutions of the original vaccine, modified to deliver the same efficacy in a convenient one or two dose option for increased flexibility. That's protection you can trust. Learn more at circumvent-g2.com. For knowledge and news from the global swine industry, access our partner, thepigsite.com. So as we kind of wrap up, Marcio likes to have a few questions that, that we ask all of our participants, as you know. So the first question I ask is, what swine book do you use for your resources? Right now, being in school and then two, having two young ones, uh, the three little pigs. Is, <laughs> <laughs> is, is about as, yeah, uh, 
once I wrap up my MBA, I'll be looking for uh, good swan books that I would love for uh, for recommendations. But right now, my uh, my plate's full when it comes to uh, reading material. There's some good lessons learned from the three little pigs. So uh, that there is. It's very fair. <laughs> Well, how about a, a non-swine book? Are there any that you would recommend to the audience? Oh, uh, there's uh, several. Uh, one that I just wrapped up reading, and I, I know I've talked about networking quite a bit today, and that's Never Eat Alone. So that is a, a great one to read, and it, it's all about you know uh, managing your network. And it's not about uh, having a lot of people. It's having quality relationships relationships that give and you you receive and you give back and they receive and you build upon that uh, relationships aren't one way great i'll have to look into that one um and then lastly when you think about being successful whether it's being successful in the swine industry or being successful in business what do you think are some qualities that a person should be working on to be professional and be successful you know, successful is a, um, a term that means different things to different people, right? Um, for me, one of the, uh, actually, one of the assignments that I had in school was very similar to this, and it took a lot of um, self-evaluation and internal thoughts to really define success. And for me, success is, is my family taken care of? Are they financially and are they healthy? Um, if so, then am I happy doing what I'm doing? And if those line up, then I think uh, I've been successful in what I'm doing. Very insightful. That's a great answer, Blake. I like that one. So um, again, we have Blake Wilson with us today for our Swine It podcast. And when we think about what Blake and I have talked about for the last uh, few minutes is really that we want to focus on uh, networking we want to make sure that we have people from a variety of, of areas to help us be successful in our businesses, as well as our personal career paths and personal lives. Um, and we want to be thinking about how we share that story, how we're telling our, our business to the world and keeping it so that our world, or not our world, sorry, but our <laughs> business, keeping it so that our business uh, focuses in on making the right decision and the right decision for your business might be different than your neighbors down the road or Absolutely. your competitor. So from that, Blake, we thank you for your words of wisdom today and your conversation. And I wish you all the best. Hey, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact by bringing from hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of swine nutrition on this seven week long elite online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding. It's conducted by myself, Dr. Marcio Gonçalves and my world-class invited speakers. Additionally, you enjoy an exclusive community to exchange ideas. Go now to www.eliteswinenutritionist.com.